0: The sportscaster and her son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sclar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sclar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your co-host, Peggy Kaczynski, a 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster from NBC Chicago, and I am the baby boomer.
1: And I'm Jason Canander. I am also a co-host. Still feels really good to say it. Um, I'm Generation Z or X or something, which everyone, everyone always, your age always complains about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really involved with Texas Student Television over here at UT Austin. You can find all that on my Twitter. Also write for Southside Sox. Got a lot of enjoyment out of that. And I do this wonderful podcast. So I'm happy to be here this morning, although it is pretty early. Um,
0: I know. It's good to see you, Jason. It's always good to catch good up to with you um, while you're, while you're at school. Um, we want to thank everyone who is following us. Our numbers keep growing on YouTube. Ooh. Everyone is really enjoying the, um, visual aspect of the podcast. And you are pretty bases. Yeah. On our website as well, the com. We also have a Facebook page, the com. And don't forget you listen to us as well without the visuals. You can do that. Um, Pretty much anywhere that you get your audio, whether it's Apple or Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, Podbean Network. Uh, we are part Spotify. of the Podbean Network. Yep. Um, Spotify. Pretty much all of those. And, hey, listen, always check out the website because there is constantly sales going on for our fan merchandise see this is the sweatshirt that we have we have lots of fan merchandise available on t public if you go to our website the dot com, you will see the link that goes directly to our fan store we have uh, laptop stickers and hats and hoodies and t-shirts um workout clothes whatever it is uh a list of Chicago quarterback names that I have covered over my 20 something years. And Jason, um, that kind of brings us right to today's topic and that is developing a quarterback like Justin Fields. A lot of questions, a lot of questions after the bears were completely destroyed by Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay defense. Um, Is this the best thing for Justin Fields? He stayed in the game at halftime. Uh, uh, Tracy Wolfson from CBS Sports asked Matt Nagy if he was going to put Andy Dalton in, and he said this was Justin Fields' game to finish. And it just looked like it was demoralizing.
1: Yeah, well, first five turnover game from a quarterback since 2019, that was by Sam Darnold. Already not up there with good company. Um, I would say 38 to three, it, it takes a pretty special effort to lose like that. Um, and we saw that last yesterday from the bears, turning the ball over whenever they had the opportunity, continually giving the defense short fields and the defense didn't play that bad. The defense somewhat held their own, but they were given short fields. It's like, yeah. you know, the offense really was not helping them out in the slightest. And, no, this is not the best thing for Justin Fields. Losing 38 to 3 on national television is not the best thing for Justin Fields. Um, well, I think, I think it
0: it, it uh, Jason it also exposed some things though that he was playing against a fantastic defense and Oh yeah. He he in his development in the development alone, um he's trusting his offensive line to protect him and he got nailed on a safety blitz. Uh he could have gotten injured on that. Um, very early on, he, he's, um, holding the ball a little bit longer. And I think that's, you know, what's getting him into trouble as well. He's taking all those sacks. And, um, when he does let it run and he, he feels the pressure and he's trying to make a play, it's an interception. So I just kind of feel like it might be time for them to let him sit back and watch Andy Dalton a little bit.
1: I don't think so. I think that the damage has already been done. I think that when you give a rookie quarterback the confidence in naming them a starter that early and then things don't go well, you want to maintain what little amount of confidence you have. And that is not at all accomplished by moving Justin Fields to the bench because I don't think any quarterback would agree that they would prefer to sit on the bench, that they think sitting on the bench would be better for their confidence than playing. Because even when you're not playing well, just being able to be that guy who gets the ball every Sunday is, is a confidence boost for a rookie quarterback, for somebody who was who it was said so many times by Matt Nagy before the season that he would not see the field this year, that he wouldn't start, that there was no competition. And now we're sitting here going into week eight and Fields has started, I believe, five or six of the games. And I mean, he hasn't looked amazing, but he's still starting and we're still seeing flashes. And even in a 38-3 game that the Bears were never expected to win, I don't think anybody expected them to keep it close. At least he stood in there for four quarters. So maybe that maybe that part of it is a good thing, and maybe we sit through games like these to see fields actually grow in the games against Detroit and maybe Minnesota and the ones against lesser opponents. But eventually this thing needs to turn around, and it's not going to happen this year because Nagy's going to be fired, and hopefully Ryan Pace will be fired too, so the team is going to be completely rest- structured from top to bottom so that's why this year does almost doesn't matter as much but don't get the guy killed while he's under center and while you're at it don't kill his confidence
0: All right, Jason, so I know everyone's frustrated trying to figure out why we have so many quarterbacks in Chicago, why we've gone through so many quarterbacks in Chicago. So I thought it would be really great if we just bring in someone who knows about quarterback development. Ron Turner, former college and NFL coach over 40 years in the game, former Big Ten coach of the year at U of I. And everyone, of course, here in Chicago remembers him as a two-time Bears offensive coordinator joining us now on the podcast. Good morning, Ron. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, Peggy. How are you doing? It's good to talk to you again. Good to see you. It's been a long time.
0: It has been a long time. And speaking of long times, you cannot possibly have been coaching for 40 years. Is that true?
2: Actually, 41, but yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. From wow. The time I started as a graduate assistant at University of Pacific, yeah, it's it was that long. Un- unbelievable, isn't it? Wow. I finally said, that's enough. I, yeah. want, I, want to, I want to be able to retire, and I want to be able to travel and-
0: and can you know, I,
2: my wife, you know, for 38 of the years we've been married, and almost 39, and she's half the year she's on her own, you know, raising the four kids and everything. So I said, you know, it's time for us to do some things, and it's it's going well. I'm enjoying it.
1: Can Good I just ask, can I just ask really quick? So you coached University of Illinois for seven years. Did you by any chance catch their game on Saturday that went into nine overtimes against Penn State?
2: Yeah, I did. I was actually there eight years, but yes, who's counting? Um, yeah, I did watch that game. Um, I watched the second half, and which, is, I guess, is all I needed. The second half of nine overtimes—that was unbelievable. Um, I was happy that Illinois was able to pull out. Happy for the kids and um, everything like that. So I was—it was. It was un, I've never seen one. Well, obviously, there's never been one that long, and I've never seen that new format, overtime wow. format. You know, and I, at first, I didn't. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I, you know, I like the NFL one where you put it down and just play football, but that was that made it kind of exciting. I do have to admit.
1: Well, well, that's my question. So, if you were to have been the offensive play caller, like, what do you do after like the second or third sequence of two point conversion tries?
2: Yeah, you just kind of <laughs> pull out of thin air. No, you, you know, you have it like you said. You have plans. You know, what would you do on third and goal? you know, inside the five, fourth and go inside the five. And then you have your two, two or three two-point plays listed. And I don't think anybody has nine of them in their game plan. So, you know, you can either go back to one you already did, change the formation maybe, do some motion or change the look a little bit, or just do something that, you know, your, your guys are really comfortable with.
1: Gotcha.
0: So we jumped right into it, talking about U of I, um, you coach Kurt Kittner. Um, you, I don't even want to list all the quarterbacks that you have coached over your 41 years. Um, not all as a quarterback coach. I understand that also as a wide receivers coach, offensive coordinators, etc. But I, here in Chicago, Ron, people are just drowning their sorrows right now because nobody wants to see Justin Fields fail. What is the key with a a a rookie quarterback when it comes to the NFL? I mean, how where do you begin and, and how do you make sure you don't lose this kid's confidence?
2: Yeah, that's that's a great question because that's that's tough. I mean, he's a kid, obviously you know, drafted so early and you have high hopes for, and he's going to, I think he's going to be a great player. I mean, I, I haven't studied him, but I've watched him enough. You know, there's a difference between studying a guy and watching a guy, and I've watched him enough that I, I think he's going to be successful. He's got the physical skills. I know he's very intelligent. He seems to have the instincts. You know, his accuracy is something coming out of college that I thought was good, but not great. I mean, I've seen a lot worse, and, you know, obviously I've seen better. So I think it's probably in the middle range but he's got everything else. He's got the size, he's got the arm strength, he can move, he can run. Um he's big, he's tough. I think I think he's going to be a good player. They just, you know, just hate to use the word, but you have to be patient with them and, and you got to be smart with them. What you do with them? You got to help them, you know, with the running game obviously. You got to help them with your protection schemes, moving the pocket some, you know, mixing it up so it's not the same thing. So you're doing some movement plays, you're doing screens, you're doing three step, you're doing five step. You know, you're taking your shots, your max protecting form, doing a lot of different things to give him a chance to be successful and, uh, and do the things he can do. But uh, I think he's – I didn't see any of the game the other day. I know, you know, it was a tough one, and he well, – what was a 38-3? to three And I know he yeah. threw three interceptions, got sacked four times. I saw the stats, but I didn't see any of the game. Um, but, you know, just got to keep going and help him. You got to help him, again, with the offensive line and with how you're calling the game. And uh, don't don't put it all on him. The other guys around him have to help him. And uh, but I think he's I think he's going to be good. And like you said, it's been a long time since Chicago's had a quarterback year after same guy year after year after year. I know it didn't happen when I was there. I was there eight years and or nine years, excuse me, in the two times. And um, you know we never we had I think nine different starters. So but he I think he's going to be good.
0: So the, the game has changed a lot over the last 41 years. Can you maybe go back to how you as a coach have had to change and adapt as the game changed? And especially, you know, there's so much money at stake right now with these, these players that, you know, there's always the question, do you play them right away or do you let them sit and watch behind a veteran? So tell me how the game has changed, how you have adapted and your philosophy on playing or sitting.
2: How do you what? I'm sorry.
0: And how do you develop them these days? How has it changed over the last 41 years with the game, the money that's involved? Yeah. Um, you know, are you a fan of letting him sit and observe behind a veteran or do you throw him right in there?
2: Yeah, I think you just, you know, for developing that quarterback, you have to what are, what are his strengths and play to his strengths. You know, call the game to his strengths. And again, like I said, or surround him you know, with the people they are going to help. But the big thing is the game plan and how you're calling the game. Don't ask him to do things he can't do and or he doesn't do as well. And call the things that he does really well. And, again, you, you've got to be able to mix it up so the defense, you know, keep them off balance. But just play to his strengths. And he's got plenty of strengths and allow him to use
1: those. I feel like I ask this to, like, any of our Bears slash Justin Fields-related guests. Do you think that there's, as a former offensive coordinator of the Bears and somebody who worked with quarterbacks every year you're with the organization, do you think that there's sort of this, like, stigma around being the Bears quarterback where you're almost set up to fail going in or people expect you to fail or the second that you fail, everyone's like, oh, here we go again. Do you think that that has, like, any effect on on the quarterback or do you even think that that's real?
2: Um. I think there is a stigma. Yeah. You hate to admit it and you hate to say, it, but there is because what history shows, I mean, I haven't had a, the same quarterback, you know, for several years, like you said earlier. So yeah, there is, how do you get rid of it? You just stick with the guy. And first of all, you got to get the right guy. You got to get somebody that's good enough to do it, that can handle it mentally, physically and everything else. And I think the bears have that guy. Um, so you just, you know, we got to remember he's a rookie and he started what two games, I believe two or three. So, you know, he just hasn't hasn't played and just gotta stay with him and, and go with it. And he'll get it and he'll be there. And I, I don't think it, it i think it is something that's real, but I don't think it's something that can't be overcome. And I think he will overcome that and will be the long term quarterback for the Bears if he's used properly.
1: At this point of the Bears season, they're three and four. They're coming up an absolute non no show in Tampa staring down another difficult part of the schedule so in essence the playoffs look very unlikely not that they were ever likely in the first place but When you kind of hit this point of the season where it seems like these lofty goals or expectations that you had probably won't be reached with a rookie quarterback and with a banged up offensive line and a developing offensive game plan, what is your plan for Justin Fields or more specifically for the offense as the season and the focus of the season kind of shifts? Yeah.
2: Again, I I think number one is, you know, get the running game going. I know everybody says that, but, you know, get the running game going and give Again, I don't know what else to say other than set him up for success. You know, do the things he can do and and stay with him. Don't don't put everything on his shoulders, you know. And the guys around him have to step up. I, you know, i got to be honest. I haven't watched a lot of the Bears this year. I really haven't. I've just seen a, a little bit of their games and highlights and stuff like that. So I'm not an expert on that, calling what they've done, what they haven't done, how they're calling the game. But I do know, you know, what I would do if I had someone like that. And I would just be very careful to make sure – you know, limit the game plan a little bit, but do it, – it, there's a fine line. you got to limit it a little bit, but you have to do enough to give him the opportunity opportunity to do different things. And you can do that. I've done that with quarterbacks where, you know, you can still move the pocket, do a lot of different things, different pass concepts, but don't do 10 out of each one of those things. Do a couple and do the things that he can do and mix up the formations, mix up the motions, can give things a different look. But maybe do this, you know, for the concept in his mind, what he's seeing, what he's reading is the same, but it looks different for the defense. And I think that's something that's pretty easy to do without, you know, allowing and allowing the quarterback to play fast. The big thing is, if you get them thinking too much, they're not going to play fast. They're going to be hesitant with the ball. They're going to be late with the ball. And I'm not saying that's happening with him. But I'm just saying with young quarterbacks, that typically can be the case. So limit what he does, but still allow him to do some different things. If, you know, I know that's kind of maybe a little contradictory, but um, it, it can be done. And I think that's what's, what's got to happen with him. And, I, and again, I think he's going to be fine.
0: Do you find yourself, Ron, ever um, having to go back to looking at the college film to see what a guy did well in college? You know, if he is struggling maybe with some pro concepts, do you go back and not you know, not necessarily simplify it, but maybe you have to adjust your, your playbook to things that you didn't have in there but that he is obviously more comfortable with just to get him comfortable in a pro system?
2: Absolutely, and I've done that. I have gone back and looked at their college tape. What do they do? Like you said, what do they do? Well, or their, or their games in the NFL, if there's somebody that played in the NFL and had success early or whatever, what are they doing? And then you can adjust, you know, what you're doing offensively without getting away from your philosophy. You still got to keep your, your, you know, your philosophy, what you believe and how you're going to do it. But, but, you know, again, mix in what he does best. And I, I think that's a great point. Go back and study it. You know, don't just base it on what you saw in training camp, you know, with the rookie, especially, you know, training camp's not very long, especially down to three three preseason games now and all that. But, yeah, definitely go back and look what he does. What is he comfortable with? And sit down with him and talk to him. I would do that with quarterbacks all the time. I would I would come in and, and I would tell them, it doesn't matter what I like. Here's, here's some plays. Here's some concept. Here's things that I like. But it really doesn't matter what I like if you're not comfortable with them. And I would have hmm. them. You give me a list. Give me a list of game playing. What do you like? What are your top drop back passes on first down? What are your top play action? What are your top movement passes and concepts? And what protections are you comfortable with? Which ones, you know, are foggy in, in your mind, you know, and get feedback, talk back and forth. And if I throw something out, I don't care how much I like it. If you don't like it, tell me, let me know that. I don't want to call something in a game that you're not comfortable with it. You haven't had enough reps on. You know, maybe three weeks from now, you might like it. But right now, you're not comfortable with it. The worst thing I can do is call it in the game. And the only way you can do that is some back and forth between you and the quarterback. And I I would do that all the time. I would have them give me a game plan.
0: Back to our conversation in a minute. But first, have you ever dealt with Bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the sclar Bunyanectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. I I remember once um, when I was hosting uh, one of our shows and we were doing a um, live interview from training camp. I don't know when after shortly thereafter, maybe it was a season later, maybe it was that season, whatever. I had the quarterback on live and I remember talking to you and I said, I'm not going to say which quarterback it was, but I remember I asked you, when did you know that he didn't have it mentally? And you said, I watched an in your interview live, you did on Sunday night and I thought he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Yeah. So Not on the field, but off the field, the mental aspect for a quarterback. It's not always fair to, you know, judge. I think you were actually the coach when everybody got all riled up about Eric Kramer on the sideline smirking or something after a game. And, you know, it's not fair for us to look at them and and try to read their body language. Everyone's doing that now with Justin Fields. And with all accounts, he's an all business approach guy, but he's going to be frustrated where and how do you measure the mental aspect of your quarterback? When, when can you like, is it fair to look at body language and things like that?
2: Yeah, that's, you know, that's great. And that's tough to tell. And it's different for every guy, you know, it really is. I mean, some of them, they're, they're, they have a great football mind and they understand concepts, protections and everything else right away. Other guys, it's, it's a learning process. And for some, they never really get it. I call it, You know instincts and just being able to react quickly. I've been around several guys, and I'm not gonna name name who they were, but I've been around several guys that you sit down with them in a classroom. They're great. They know it. They get it. They understand it. They can talk it, all that stuff. And you know they're intelligent, but you get them on the field, and you know they've got about two point five seconds to make that decision and analyze everything, get up to the line of scrimmage, see what's going on with the defense, analyze everything, what the protection schemes are, where the the trouble with the protection schemes are, the past concepts where, you know, you got a lot to go through your mind in a short amount of time. And some guys, like I said, off the field are great, but you get them in that time frame like that, they just, they can't make the quick, the quick, good, good decisions, good, quick decisions. They can make decisions they can make quick decisions, but not necessarily good, quick decisions. And I've found if they don't have that, you can improve it a little bit, but you, you know, you can't get that instinct with them. I mean, there's other guys day one, they walk up to London scrimmage. Hey, there's a Mike linebacker over here. I see this blitz coming and they know right where to go with the ball. And it doesn't take long to figure that out. You know, who has that in them
1: and who doesn't. Mm. So the 1994-1995 Chicago Bears are the top two seasons in complete team completion percentage. And then you were also the offensive coordinator for the top two individual seasons for passing yards. I believe that was Eric Kramer in 94 and then Rex Grossman in 2006. So does that type of success come from more of an organizational focus on the offense Or is that more of surrounding the quarterback with a strong offensive line and good weapons in the passing game and letting the quarterback do his thing? Because right now the Bears pretty much have neither. And I'm trying to wonder where exactly change is going to come from. So where does that success start?
2: Well, I think it comes from both those things you said. You have to have a great Structure, you know, for him a great concept, a great game plan, you know, for him. Again, going back to the things we talked earlier, the things that he can do and the things that your team can do well. You know, you have to do that. I've been on, you know, the offense changed, you know, as we went through things. We had some teams where we could really good at throwing the deep ball and protecting for it and making those plays. So that was a big emphasis. Like you know, when Eric Kramer was there, I mean, you know, we we had made a lot of big plays on the field because he had a good feel for it and we had players that could do it. And then other times you may not, you may be not so good in the deep ball, but you're, you're better at, you know, the underneath high percentage, play action type stuff. So you find out what, you know, where you are structurally conceptually and do the, do those things. But then also, you know, again, what he, what he can handle and what your team can handle. And I think that's a big thing. And again, that starts with the offensive line. If you don't have great pass protectors, don't drop back seven steps and ask the left tackle to block the defensive end. He's not gonna block him. He's gonna get beat. And then you get mad at him for getting beat. Well, you know, we had everything good. There was man for man to man. Everybody had a man, the left tackle's just gotta block that guy. Well, the left tackle's not gonna block that guy. Or the right, the guard's not gonna block that three technique. We played Tampa Bay, you know, they had Warren Snap Warren Sapp, and Minnesota had, you know, John Randall and those guys mm-hmm. at the three technique. We had to double those guys every play. You know, we weren't gonna we weren't gonna be able to block him. And Guys with great edge rushers, you better get that back to chip on his way out, or you better get that guard to set with him so the tackles got help inside, you know, and, and there's things you could do to help him, but you can't just, you know, call the plays and your guys don't execute it and say, well, I, you know, we had the right play call. No, you didn't, because your personnel can't do it. So, That, to me, that that is a huge factor that I don't think many people do a great job of. I shouldn't say Mm. many. I say a lot of, you know, some people don't do a good job of that. They just call plays. And I watch games on TV now, and I'm sitting there saying, these guys are just calling plays. They're not thinking about what down it is. They're not thinking about the next situation. They're not thinking about the defense. you got to think about your defense, too. Sometimes you have to protect your defense and control the ball a little bit. Um, You know, i might like, these guys aren't thinking that. All they're thinking about is, I'm just calling plays, I'm calling off yeah. my sheet, calling plays, and you know, you can't you can't win doing that. Well,
0: wow, great point, Jason. Yeah. You have another?
1: Yeah, I do have one more actually. So, that's your question. Yes. Yeah. No.
0: Great point.
1: Uh, my my next question would be so it might be a little bit of a hypothetical, but a lot of people are expecting head coach Matt Nagy to be fired after this season. the The tricky thing with that for me, and honestly, what everybody feels is. That Justin Fields will now have two head coaches in two seasons. So what my question is, is do you think that there is a certain aspect to the um, search for a new head coach that Justin Fields should be involved with? We see it a lot in the NBA, where some of the superstars on teams almost completely pick the new head coach. in the NFL, not as much. So do you think that Justin Fields should play a part in finding the next head coach, considering the fact that the next head coach will be the one that's here for it, the bulk of his development and hopefully prime?
2: Should I, Justin Fields what? I'm sorry.
1: Should Justin Fields have a say, have a hand in choosing the next head coach? Should, like, and if uh, so, what level of input should that be?
2: You know, I think that's a, a good point. I think it depends on the person. I don't know Justin Fields. I know I, I hear he's very intelligent and a good guy, and it looks like he has good instincts. I don't know, but someone that young, I'm not sure I would do that. If you had a veteran, you know, guy that's been in the league a while and everything else, yeah, you know, I think you you owe it to him too. But somebody that young, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think you just need to go out, and, and if, if there's going to be a change, I'm not saying there is, but if you're, when you're hiring, whether it's a head coach or a coordinator or a quarterback coach, I think you look at what do they do. What do they bring to the table and how is that going to gel with Justin Fields? You know, is they going to, going to be compatible? They're going to be able to adapt their system and run a system. That's going to be good for him. I think you're going to make those decisions based on what you know about Justin Fields and you can talk to him about, you know, get a feel for what he likes, but I don't know if, you know, I would include him in the process of actually selecting the person that's, that's putting a lot on his plate, but I think you keep him in mind definitely when you're hiring any, any of those guys are going to be involved with him.
0: Yeah. a Tom Brady and uh, Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers. They may, Oh wait, they didn't ask Aaron Rodgers before they <laughs> made their hire. Brown, I do want to ask you though, something about the offensive line because the bears line is really, really banged up and they are rotating guys in and out. And, you know, we did, we did a show earlier about um, offensive line and, and, how important it is to have consistency on the line. But when you're banged up and you, they can't even find guys on the street because nobody lets their offensive lineman go. Nobody releases an offensive lineman. So here's a crazy, crazy question. Is it out? Maybe it is out of my mind, but listen, Big Cat Williams went from being a defensive lineman to an offensive lineman, James Big Cat Williams. Sure. It was 25 years ago, but is it out of the question to actually take, you know, a defensive lineman in practice and start working him on the offensive line when you are so depleted?
2: No, it's, it's. I mean, you, you're going to have to do it. I mean, you, you know, NFL, you only have so many players, and if they're not they're banged up, you got to get somebody to go play. And a lot of the defense, those defensive linemen played offensive line at some point. So I think it depends who it is. And you look at a guy, yeah, and I've seen teams do that. You move a guy over and, they played it in college. They played it in high school. They're if they're defense alignment, they're usually more athletic than the offense alignment. So they're going to be athletic enough to go over and do it. It's got to see if they have if they have the size and the you know the mind for it, and they have a background with it. Yeah, I would definitely look at that and look at all options. Do you have a tight end who's a great blocker who's big enough that can you know go help you know because you, you, there's only so many guys out there. Um, yeah, I would explore every option, but I think that's. You know, depending on the, on who you have in the defense line, yeah, it's something worth looking at.
0: And finally, um, I know your both your sons are following in your footsteps, and uh, Cam is over with the Cardinals. Um, what's the secret to the success of Kyler Murray over there?
2: Um, number one, he's a great player. Yeah. <laughs> and and number two, his quarterback coach. I, you know, <laughs> Cam, Cam. <laughs> He's got good coaching. Um, you know, Cameron, I'm proud of him. He's doing a great job with Kyler. I know they have a great relationship, but Kyler is, is a special player. I think Cliff Kingsbury said it when he was in college. I believe he was at Texas Tech at the time, and he said, if I was an NFL head coach, and I'd take him with my number one pick, and he backed it up when he had that opportunity. Um, but, I mean, you could see that when he was in college. I mean, Kyler is – You know, the fastest, I mean, so fast, it's unbelievable and so quick. But not only that, he's got great instincts, great pocket awareness, and very, very good accuracy. I mean, his accuracy is, is, you know, tops in the league, in the top five, I would think, in the league. And that's what separates him, you know, from a lot of guys that are playing, that are great athletes, can run around and make plays, but they're not necessarily that accurate. Kyler is very, very accurate. He's accurate from the pocket. He's accurate on the move. He doesn't always have to have his feet underneath him to be accurate. He can throw, you know, falling away. He can every every position. He can make the deep throw, the intermediate, the short. Um, He's just he's just you know very very good. And I think the Cardinals are doing a great job with him. You know, with what he can do, and obviously they've surrounded him with some unbelievable weapons. And they've got the weapons, but they're doing a great job with those weapons. You know, whether it's all the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, they're util- utilizing everybody, and they're putting Kyler in a position to be successful, and he's a special, special talent. It's fun Listen, to watch. Listen,
0: I I know you're retired, but um, we may be calling you. Uh, Hallis Hall may be calling. George McCaskey may be calling you uh, in the near future. Uh, they they need some help, and it's always good to hear from someone who's been there, who's done it, who has such great hands-on knowledge and such great NFL experience, Ron. It's it's great to catch up with you.
2: Great to catch up with you, Peggy, Jacob. And give me a call anytime. I'd love to do it. This is fun. and Give me a little advance warning so I'll know what to study and what, what teams to look at or whatever. <laughs> You know, I watch, I watch football probably too. My wife probably thinks too much, but I do. Watch, <laughs> obviously, you know, when my other, my other son coaches at Stanford. So when my boys are coaching and playing, I, I watch, but you know, I still, I still watch quite a bit of it. So And you guys, all yeah. of our
0: viewers, you guys can keep up with uh, coach Ron Turner at FB coach RT on social media at Twitter coach. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
0: Wow, that was great to talk to Ron Turner. Um, I covered him not only both of his stints with the Bears as offensive coordinator, but also when he was at U of I um, coaching U of I. He was Big Ten Coach of the Year at the time. Uh, it's interesting to hear what he has to say because some of his philosophies definitely still apply today. And yeah. I mean, I, I really, I mean, it was really interesting to hear what he had to say. Everyone knows that they need to move the pocket more, you know, with Justin Fields. But um, Sometimes I think uh, as coaches, you need to kind of like remove yourself, you know, take a breath and, you know, start over. And um, I just feel like we've done that so many times here in Chicago that I I don't even know what to expect anymore.
1: Well, look what kind of defined Coach Turner's career, and that was doing more with less, taking the University of Illinois, the furthest thing from a football school to a New Year's Six bowl game, um, have, breaking those franchise records with the Bears with guys like Eric Kramer and, and Rex Grossman, nothing against Eric Kramer and Rex Grossman, but the Bears have had more talented quarterbacks than that and have not been able to do what Coach Turner was able to get out of the offense while he was here. So now for the Bears, it's going to be doing more with more, I guess, with this kind of golden gem in Justin Fields, see if they're able to use him, if they're able to cash him in, or if they're able to somehow waste away the potential of another top, Drafted quarterback. Hopefully not. Oh
0: my gosh! All right, Jason, let's go to your predictions. What do you got?
1: All right. So first of all, at the time of filming of of recording this, the Bulls are three and zero. This is crazy <laughs> because this is the first time that the Bulls are three and zero. I believe in my entire time watching the team, even some of those great Bulls teams with D Rose and Lou Dang and Joakim Noah the year when he almost won the MVP. Uh, this Bulls team is fun. They're exciting. Lonzo Ball had a triple double in his home debut. Zach Levine looks like the perfect pilot of the offense. I'm sorry. I'm just distracted. I see those in the uh, Rio Mart right by my apartment. And it's like among the most expensive thing that you can buy. It's water, correct?
0: Yeah. It's, um, it's still water from path. Uh, we found it. I was in Napa last week and on the golf course, that's what they sold in California are the, uh, the tin bottles, the tin can bottles and that you refill well, um, because.
1: This is how this is how everybody watching us should know that you are officially retired is because you are talking about being in Napa, getting tin water bottles and bringing them home. So I mean, I'm happy for you, but that me- tired more than that.
0: Do you want me to tell you about our trip to Pebble Beach the week the week before?
1: How about, how about after? How about after the show?
0: <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I totally okay. interrupted your bulls prediction. Anyway,
1: the Bulls—you get the point. They're <laughs> fun. They're young. They're finally actually, I think, going to make the playoffs this year. So my prediction is that the Bulls are going to be a top four seed. I think the East is open. I think it's vulnerable. If the Ben Simmons situation in Philadelphia is funny as it is, I think that I think that the Bulls can sneak in, get a top four seed. What they'll do after that, I have no idea. But Bulls, fun—they're going to succeed this year. That's my first prediction. Right. Um, my second prediction—I think I've touched on this before in predictions, but I keep uh, I keep just kind of hearing that that it's going to happen. Cubs are going to make a splash this winter, and I think it's going to be Carlos Correa because Carlos Correa, the Houston Astros, could not get over how much he loved being in Chicago when the Astros came, unfortunately, came to town and ruined the dreams of me and so many other White Sox fans. But um, I think that the Cubs are going to make a splash. They're going to sign Carlos Correa. What they're going to do after that, no idea. I don't know. Really, what they have a big hole in pitching. This is not a good winter for pitching. But the Cubs are in this desperation mode. They need to sell tickets next year. They're going to have some money to spend with the marquee deal. So Correa is going to be a Cub. Great. Get him wow. out of the working league. Number three, I think the Blackhawks head coach, Jeremy Colleton, is going to be out of town before – The first half of the season is done to see the video of the crowd when he got introduced for the first time this season at home was horrible, horrible. I don't think that there is a single person in the crowd cheering. And that is something that growing up a Blackhawks fan, going to Blackhawks games. It's so sad to see what has happened to the fan base last night. Their game looked so empty. So empty. And Blackhawks games always sold, even when the team wasn't that good after winning the the Stanley Cups. So I think Coach Colleton has done. The Blackhawks really spent this offseason getting Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury trying to pull him out of retirement, just like you. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury certainly is not doing as good of a job as being semi-retired as you did. because he was running in nothing but goals and doesn't really look like he wants to be in Chicago. So that's my third prediction. Coach Colleton, we appreciate you been with the Blackhawks for a really tough, tough, tough transition period, but it's not going to last for much longer. I think the fans will be put out of their misery pretty soon.
0: I'll make that. Then my final thought is that um, a plea to George McCaskey when They held their end-of-the-year press conference last year and announced that Ted Phillips and uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace would all be coming back and that it was a collaborative decision (laughs) and that they do everything collaboratively Mm -hmm. and that they believed in the vision of these men. I am begging them to cut the cord and for the first time in team history, to make a change in season, they have they have never uh, removed a coach during the season. Typically, it's like uh, the week after Christmas. It's that that New Year's Eve week. And, they call it uh, off
1: Monday, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's the Monday after the last game of the season. Um, you don't want to see happen to the Bears what is happening with the Blackhawks, and, and that is um, becoming irrelevant. That happened yes. with
1: the Bulls two years ago, yes. Jim Bowen.
0: And the NFL, yes, they are king. And yes, people will always go see them. But it is disheartening to see the Chicago Bears become a laughing stock on national television. And listening to Jim Nance and Tony Bromo make fun of the Bears, um, <laughs> uh, saying this is a turning point in the game when it was already thirty-five to three, um, saying uh, you know very um, tongue-in-cheek comments um, uh, about the Bears getting um, something going. Uh, it's embarrassing, and Chicago is better than that. The fans deserve better than that. And, um, there comes a point when you have to take a look in the mirror and realize that, uh, it's not working and you have, like you said, a gem of a quarterback in Justin Fields. Don't screw this up. And, um, if you truly want the team and the fans and everyone to, to be behind you, you have to make a change. You just, yeah. you have to make a change. And so and I'll, that's, I'll, th- that, that, those are my final thoughts.
1: I'll add something really quick. All I really have to say is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing multiple times and expecting a different result. Yeah. And I think that going through the Matt Nagy experience multiple times and expecting a different result was a pretty insane idea on George McCaskey's part. And now we're seeing a, uh, a team that is quite literally hanging by the thread. God forbid Justin Fields gets hurt. Obviously, injuries happen. Injuries are not the fault of one person, not of the player, not of the um, offending player on the defense. But if Justin Fields gets hurt, there will be a clear man to blame. And I think that I agree with you. I think that, that Mr. McCaskey upstairs needs to uh, needs to put an end to this before that, that, before that can even happen because the Bears aren't making the playoffs. They're not doing anything. It's time to set the focus to next year.
0: All right, let's wrap this one up. Um, Check us out on YouTube where you're watching us right now. Don't forget, I have another YouTube show called Pass the Mic, where I highlight women in sports. Great interview that I did recently with Stacy Dales from the NFL Network. Ooh,
1: Jason, look, my name Jason. Sounds really
0: you will like it. You will like it. She's she uh, Oklahoma Sooner uh, Hall of oh, Fame I, 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 never
1: mind. I, I don't have time. I don't have the but time. Sorry, I'm she, really busy this week. We I'm mentioned
0: sorry. UT. We mentioned UT. So, well, of course, um, she
1: UT because her school just came back down 22 in our faces in Dallas. The most right. beautiful moment for me as a sports fan. I'm sorry.
0: Jason, tell people what they can do if they like our episode.
1: Well, as I always say, you can do a lot of things if you like our episode. But what we would prefer you do if you like our episode is please let us know by pressing the heart button. That means the like button. Like us. Listen to some of our past episodes and follow us so that you never miss a new one. I also always like to add like, rate, subscribe. Do it all over again. Only helps us out. Might seem kind of weird, but it does help a lot. So be able to follow that and... Keep watching us. We have, we have some good stuff coming up.
0: Thank you to our guest today, Ron Turner, former Bears offensive coordinator, U of I head coach, uh, former uh, Big Ten coach of the year, 41-year NFL and football experience. Um, you can follow Coach Turner on Twitter at Coach, football coach, RT. And uh, also thanks to Aldo Gandia and the Barroom Network and to Adam Yaffe, who is our Sultan of Sound. That will do it for this episode. Please have a good one. We will chat with you soon, and let's hope that we have some positive things to talk about in the near future when it comes to the Chicago Bears. All right, Jason, take care, buddy.
1: Have a good one. Get vaccinated. Be safe. Watch our shows, and just try to watch the Bears as well. See you later, Mom.
0: The sportscaster and her son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sclar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.